tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, we have a very special episode. We are going to take a deep dive into our top five comic book films of all time. Hops and Box Office Flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. It is officially our 42nd episode. I am here with Captain Cash. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. And hailing from parts unknown, Chumpzilla. Howdy, folks. Happy holidays and happy new year. We are all uh, longtime comic book fans, uh, and we are living in a golden age, my friends. Uh, there's a near overabundance of superhero cinema these days, which is great for us, uh, and a lot of it has been quite good. Now, previously on the pod, we offered our top 10 films in the MCU. Tonight, we're branching out. So to quote the great Jack Nicholson as the Joker, gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Spoiler alert, that film will not feature on any of the lists. It was close to being a runner-up for me. But, yeah, not top five. So, points of order, you can find the show on Twitter and Facebook, at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find myself at WriterTLK. Captain Cash, where can they find you? You can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. Uh, You can find me trolling the comment sections of Yahoo and tweeting from your mom's basement on my burner account. Okay. Uh, Since we have a variety of movies here, uh, it will really depend on where you can find them. I, and I'm sure these guys do as well, I own all of the ones on my list because I basically own every comic book movie, including Green Lantern, which I wish I did not own. I feel like that's a thing you should admit. Uh it's got the testicle head guy, though, so it's got that going for it. It really does. And it's got uh, uh, Takiti... Uh, Taika Waititi's in it, yeah. Taika, yeah. Yeah, Tahitian Tree. His uh, talents are really wasted in that movie. Uh, you know, I have to admit, I am absolutely shocked that that guy is the, the director of Ragnarok and and uh, uh, soon-to-be you know, Love and Thunder. Like... I didn't see that coming. Also, also, what we do in the shadows, and he's the IG droid on Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, he directed he... Uh, the last episode of the Mandalorian, which dropped today when we're recording this. In any case, yeah. Uh, so Disney Plus—that's where, if you have that, you can find all the Marvel movies that have run their course on Netflix. Like I was on there last night. I don't think Ant-Man and the Wasp is on Disney Plus yet. And a couple other newer ones, but everything else pretty much is. So, what are we drinking tonight, Chumpzilla? Okay, well, in honor of the superhero slash comic movie theme here, I've got Hop Avenger IPA from the New Belgium Brewery, and it is a uh, a fruity tropical uh, IPA, checking in at a hefty seven point seven ABV. And uh, you know what? Cheers, fellas. Because if we can't stay sober for the Earth, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. Good point. 
Uh, so let's set some quick ground rules for the list. I said director's cuts are allowed because that is the version of the film that they wanted people to see in the first place. I'll allow it, but I, but I know what's coming as a result. <laughs> I, I feel like that's just a backdoor for the Snyder cut. That's, that's all I'm saying. Well, I have it. It's, it's sitting in my possession right now. And, uh, just, for that to be a backdoor, the Snyder cut has to actually exist. It exists. Sure it does. It exists. Uh, second, for this pod, unlike the uh, MCU pod, we're going to alternate our selections. So, for example, I'll start with my number five. We'll then move on to Chump Sills, number five, Captain Cash's number five, and so on. Offer our reasons for its inclusions, and then the people who are not presenting the movie can offer some of their thoughts. Uh, we're also each having a challenge flag. So, I, if I... If I do not agree with a certain pick, I can provide contradictory evidence to that film's inclusion at that particular spot, or because we're also choosing the actor who has the best performance of the movie slash and also the best scene of the movie, you can challenge the actor or the scene depending on what your personal preference is. Now, you have to provide real evidence, okay? Because if I challenge... Chumpzilla becomes the judge. He says, I agree with that challenge. So I can't just say, well, that scene sucks or that actor sucks. I have to give real evidence as to why I would not choose that scene or that person or that movie. It has so, to be more thought out than simply I don't like it. Yes. Uh, we can swing that. Not having a reason for why something is bad essentially invalidates your reason for believing it's bad. We are higher beings for Pete's sake. Well, speak for yourself. Yeah, maybe you are. <laughs> All right, so our list. Before we get into the top five, we do have some runner-ups. As I just mentioned, Batman 89 was close to making the runner-up list, but not quite. Runner-up to the runner-up. That is Miss Congeniality. Yeah. Yeah, that movie does not get enough credit, but... Miss Congeniality? No, Batman 89. (laughs) You know know Chumps Hill is a huge Shatner guy. Well, I mean... Sandra Bullock too. I mean, come on. Well, what's, who, who didn't uh, like? De- who didn't King like Demolition Man? Miss Congeniality. Really? Yeah. And now she's is, it, is, it, is, it, is that Benjamin Bratt in that too? I think he's in it. Yeah. Just crushed. He just crushed it in Catwoman. That guy. Yeah. Also, right, he was. Was he dating Julia Roberts at the time? I think that was during his Julia Roberts days. Might have been. He was on top of the world there for about two, three years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So runners up then. Yes. The Benjamin Bratt story. Lou Diamond Phillips. Let the record state that Benjamin Bratt was on top of the world for a time. (laughs) Okay. So who would like to go first? I'll do my runner ups real quick. My three runner ups are Infinity War and Endgame because I love them, but. They are effectively a five-hour movie, and to really appreciate them, you have to have watched the previous, if not 22 movies, at least like 15 to really get the full effect. So I couldn't in good conscience put them at the top five, Um, but I still love them. They still have some of the best emotional beats, um, and they proved why I feel like that whole experiment worked as well as it did. Yeah. And then the uh, the third one was Sin City, because 
Robert Rodriguez is awesome. That's the first movie that really used CGI to a, an artistic effect. It felt like to make it feel like a comic book, and I really liked it. And it looks um, just like the comic book. It does. And the only thing I would ding it on is, you know, it's it's typical Mark, or not Mark Miller. Frank. Frank, Frank Miller. thank you. It's confusing my comic book artist. It's typical Frank Miller. A heart of darkness, edgy, and men are men, and blah, and, and uh, women are whores. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, it's a it's a cool movie, but it's also, you know, it, it's a faithful adaptation of the source material. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, maybe that's probably to its detriment. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, stylistically though, it looked cool as hell. There's no sure denying did. that. It did something that had been done before, and then. Uh, they never really were able to do something that cool again. Even the sequel is watered yeah. down Sin City. Plus, it had a murderer's row of, of actors from yeah. like yeah. the mid aughts. Everybody was in that thing. Are, are you knocking the spirit? Uh, I could knock the spirit all <laughs> night long if I had to. Well, there's uh, my number one. <laughs> That's number one on certain lists. I don't think it's top list. <laughs> Uh, so those are my those are my honorable mentions. Okay, Chumpzilla. All right. Well, uh, I did have Batman '89 listed on mine. Uh, oh, my bad. Look at that. Well, I, as as a runner up, uh, because you know I feel like that movie kind of kicked off the it, the modern superhero genre. Like I think it made it opened doors to get big name people and big name directors involved. Because I think up until then, superhero movies were kind of a B project. And that, you know, aside, even the Superman movies weren't handled mm-hmm. by a major studio. Uh, Reeves was an unknown. Yep. You know, that, that, that wasn't an A-list Hollywood property at the time. Was it wildly successful? Yes. But was it a big-time Hollywood production? No. Batman 89 was. My um, only disagreement there is I don't think it kicked off the modern renaissance if anything that was blade or x-men because by the time you got by the time you got batman and robin comic book movies were dead again yeah batman was a blip it was of course a step in the right direction and then nothing really followed it but other batman movies you know see i i I think we i think we underestimate how long the development cycle used to be Mm-hmm. I, I still get, I give that credit because I think that that started the ball rolling uh, for stuff that happened years later. Even yeah, top so, tier director, uh, top tier studio, big time producers, big time stars. It, it, and we talked about this with uh, with Superman Returns. I mean, we almost got a Tim Burton Superman movie. You know, there's a lot of stuff that movie kicked off that never really happened, but the mm-hmm. wheels kept spinning. I, I mean, I'm. I'm putting on some tinfoil. I got the, the yarn drawn up on the wall here, but I'm saying that, that to me, that's how it is, man. Yeah. That, that really kicks stuff off in terms of a list Hollywood properties. Hey, we can do this. <clears throat> I'm just saying this, uh, uh, Aquaman wouldn't have been a plot point in entourage if it wasn't for Batman 89. Well, I think that's, that's I think all I'm we saying. have Spider-Man to thank for that plot point. Cause Spider-Man yeah, was well. the biggest movie in the world then. And they used Aquaman because they thought he was a joke and it was funny for the show. And, then, and, it, and it worked well. Yeah. And uh, then Aquaman made a billion dollars. Good yeah. job, Jason Momoa. Right, you know, come Good on. Good job, Vinny Chase. Um, but, you know, in, in the same vein as you, Captain Cash, I do have the Avengers down. 
again because I think that's a key important movie, you know, pulling in the the ensemble, showing that yeah, you can have these comic book movies with a bunch of characters in it and pull it off. That paved the way for, you know, obviously the big team up movies, but also helps you do stuff like Ant Man and the Wasp, and then Ragnarok, where you've got Thor and. Uh, the yeah. Hulk. Like I think the studios were more okay with, hey, we can team guys up. Yeah. Um, which, come on, that's a that's a concept the comic books nailed a long time ago. But Hollywood's conservative. You know, they needed somebody to prove it first, and then they got brave yeah. enough to try it again. And then for number three, Spider-Man Two, because that is a solid movie. It's got a great villain, which I think is probably one of the best tests of any comic movie you got to have a great villain and doc ock was awesome in that movie and again i think toby mcguire's franchise gets lost in the shuffle with tom holland and and the new spider-man you know but that was a really good movie and at the time you know hey those were the biggest movies out i mean toby mcguire was a huge star because of those movies too because of those movies yeah he was straight up the dude from pleasantville right and 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 cider house rules Rules. yeah fair he was also uh the one guy's With friend Alfred. in The Wizard. Was the guy that had the power glove? <laughs> Tommy McGuire's his friend. He has no lines Wait, in the movie. You mean like Fred Savage, The Wizard? Yeah. Oh, Tommy McGuire's just Damn. standing by that guy. I'll put that on the social. No shit. Yeah. That's, yeah I had I, no I, idea, but that is spectacular. Yeah. I, I'm going to need to see. Uh, I'll need a screenshot of that on the Twitter. Oh, yeah. I'll put it up there. I'm going to need to see the receipts. But anyway. So, uh, runners up, what do you got for us, Mr. Wizard? Now, pain me to leave all these off the list because they're so close to being on it. Uh, Logan, a dig Logan, old school Western type movie. It's the end of an era. Finally, the hard R Wolverine we were waiting for. And he was, and I've mentioned it many times on this pod. He's the guy for me. He is Wolverine. I don't think there's ever been somebody as good as him at playing the character they were chosen to play. There's obviously people that are close, but I love Hugh Jackman. Five tool hey, he's talent. a five-tool guy. Five-tool guy, yep. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Winter Soldier, and then Spider-Man 2, which up until very recently probably would have been on this list, and it just kind of got pushed out, which is unfortunate because Spider-Man 2 and I think X2 are really important movies for for the comic book boom in cinema. They upped the ante in every way, and they they showed that these movies could be more than, you know, the simple format. They really went for it, and they worked on emotional levels. They're just great movies, and I love Spider-Man too, for a lot of the reasons you've already mentioned. Yeah, well, and I think X two doesn't get enough love either. Uh, like, I, I mean, think I, I think the third one kind of soured a lot of folks, but the mm-hmm. second one is surprisingly good. Well, you I, know, I, I think that's the thing. I think it's good. I don't think it's great. X2 is one of those things where you go back and watch it and, I mean, yeah, you've got Wolverine. You get the first scene where (laughs) he bloodlessly murders everyone who's attacking the X-Mansion. And that was sorely missing from the first X-Men movie. But they're never in their costumes. They almost never use their their superhero names or things like that. So. So I feel like they didn't trust the source material and they kind of tried to make it like the matrix with all the black leather. Yeah. Here's what I'll say to that. My point about the Avengers showing that you could do a team up also showing that you could do a team up in costume. 
with yeah. the names straight out of the comic like because people weren't willing to do that because they thought that would be too much and then joss whedon said fuck no we're doing this to 11 yeah and it, yeah i think in a post avengers world the x-men would have been much more free to stick to the source material to be a little more goofy to use the names all that but yeah. again that was fox playing just a little too conservative but it's still a good movie Oh yeah, you know, yeah, I think I'm it, not trying to say it's not good. I'm just no, I, I, yeah, but I agree. It was hamstrung probably by some conservative, you know, studio suits saying like, "Ugh, no costumes." Oh, the spandex looks a little weak, doesn't it? I'm fairly yeah. sure that Brian Singer is like on record, like stating he doesn't know much about the property in general. He's not some like he's not a Joss Whedon type that really has great love and admiration for, for these for those yeah. characters, and I mean they openly mock the Wolverine costume in X1 when he yeah. questions why they're wearing black leather. So and the other thing in those movies is they chronically made Cyclops a dickhead and not the leader, which I never quite understood. Well, cause he's a dickhead. <laughs> well, he's, he, he, well, he's kind of a dick in the comics, but like at some point he's the leader, right? Uh, that's the, that's what happens when you make Wolverine your main character Cyclops by, yeah. by extension becomes an a-hole he was a hell yeah that's the i mean i like most of the x-men movies but the the problem they always had was you know what we don't think the rest of you are very interesting let's just let hugh jackman kill everyone <laughs> and to be fair he does I mean, every time I, I shows enjoyed it. <laughs> it and they and that went pretty well i mean they that carried quite a bit of the weight yeah. Okay, so top five. Those big, broad Australian shoulders just. Oh, gosh, don't get I'm me still started, shocked that he's six cat. two. I'm still. I thought. I thought he was a short guy. I did not realize Hugh Jackman was six two. He's, he's a, a big dude. dude. He's a mountain of a man with a heart of gold. Uh, him and Benjamin Bratt, man. Yeah, on top of the That's world. On top of the world. <laughs> not the same time. How they never shared the stage. Not enough room on top of the world for both. They, they have to take turns. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, top five lists. Since you started with your runner-ups, Captain Cash, we'll start with you. We'll go with All your right. five, then Chumzilla's five, then my five, and we'll proceed. Don't forget, best performance, in your opinion, of the film, best scene of the film. Mm -hmm. Number so five. My number five, I think, will appear on somebody else's list, and we can add a little bit higher, but we can talk about just very briefly. My number five uh, is the Donner cut of the Superman movies. And I kind of consider one and two to be one film as they were filmed together by Richard Donner. And those, those movies are great. I think they're higher on the list so we can talk about it more, uh, in just a bit, but yeah, I, I feel like there's a legacy there. Uh, there are, there's so much good to talk about in performance and, and everything else and how it, it found a way to make Superman relevant in the seventies. Yep. I agree. So and we'll get into it in a bit. My list. So we will yep. hold on just that, but performance of the movie Reeves. There's, there's no question you, they haven't been able to find a person to supplant Christopher Reeves in Reeve. the 30. I'm sorry, Reeve. What am I saying? Reeves, George Reeves, Christopher Reeves. Reeve. Uh, yeah, Reeves was the serial one. Yeah, that Ben Affleck played. <laughs> yes, in uh, Hollywood Land. Drinking Superman. That's, pro yeah. that's probably how his drinking problem started. It was just method acting. 
Uh, ben Affleck also hair. for a time top of the world. There's a, there's uh, a deep pull for you, folks. Yeah, but no. Super, Superman actors, depressing history here. But Christopher Reeve really, I mean, he defined the character in every sense of the word. And again, unknown actor um, that was actually not the top choice because they were worried. Well, he was a top choice. I think he was high in the running, yeah. but there were big questions because they didn't think he was big enough and he had to bulk up, put on like 15, 20 pounds to prove to them that he had the build to yeah. pull off uh, Superman. And yeah, I, in the, in the end, like I can't imagine a different Superman. Yeah, it worked. And I mean, if you put him next to Henry Cavill, who's, you know, 240 pounds of solid muscle, it's, it's a little bit of a different look, but for 1970 in that suit though, he pulled, he had the right silhouette. Yeah. It, I agree. He pulled it off. Cavill's um, definitely got the physique for a modern Superman, though, because, you know, after the 90s, everybody got super jacked. Right? <laughs> it's almost like human growth hormone became popular. And wait, what? <laughs> Something about steroids and WWF, but I, moving on. Anyway. Um, Mark Gastineau. But scene of the movie, ah, it's tough. I, I, I really like the... Uh, the Zod and uh, what is it the the fight scene uh, in two yeah and when they're in the city yeah. and Superman makes a conscious effort to save people <laughs> yeah so I want anyway that's my five that's still my favorite portrayal of Zod so far as well Terrence yeah. I mean Shannon Shannon Michael Shannon does a good job I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to shit on that Michael Shannon I, uh, has... Has a very appropriate intensity for a megalomaniacal uh, army general. Yes. Yeah. Son of Jor-El, kneel before Zod. Yeah, the, man, it's hard to top that. But that's pretty. Over to you're number five. All right. Well, my, my number five is Watchmen, and, which I think also know, features higher on a list, doesn't it? Yep. So we'll, yeah. we'll wax poetic about it, but give us your. Your top performance, your top scene. Well, my top performance, it's a tough one because this is very much an ensemble cast. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think the, the easy answer is to go with Rorschach, to go with Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I, I, he's great, but I think it, it's an interesting character and he portrays it well on screen. But I have to admit that uh, Patrick Wilson's Night Owl, I, I think he really grounds the movie and does a good job of giving the audience a relatable character in it. And he kind of carries the movie and you sort of see things through his perspective. You kind of follow mm -hmm. him through it. And I think that if they had, didn't have an actor that could pull that off, that the movie wouldn't have worked as well. Cause it's a complex movie. It's convoluted. I mean, it was considered to be unfilmable. Uh, in terms of the source material. Yeah. But I think the way they shape the narrative, and I think the way you kind of follow Night Owl through it, um, I think makes it easier to to absorb. So I'm going to give it to him. And as far as the, 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 the best scene in the movie, I think you know, a lot of people would say, um, you know, you, you've got the, the prison fight scene because yeah. it's, it's well shot, it's good action. Um, and you don't want to overlook, and I think this will get mentioned later, but the opening set to, to Dylan's, uh, 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 times there are changing times are changing as I say, blowing yeah. in the wind, but I knew it was wrong. 
that's a gr- that's great cinema right there, and that's great comic book cinema. It's very, it looks like it's comic pages, you know, moving yeah. past you to a certain extent. That's awesome. But for me, I think the best scene in the movie, in terms of just the quality and the impact, is that final confrontation at Vite's compound. I think that it's intense. It sticks to the source material up until the twist of the change yeah. of the ending, which I think is great. And I've said this before on the pod. I'm probably one of the few people, because I know there's a lot of backlash. I think that the movie ending is a huge improvement over the comic ending because it makes more sense. It's much more believable. And mm-hmm. it has the same impact. You know, I, Now, I, I, from a comic book standpoint, I think a crazy cosmic squid is great. But in terms of a movie and making it more grounded and realistic, I think the false flag thing is perfect and it's equally diabolical. And, and I again, would have agreed with that until I watched the Watchmen series on HBO. And now I'm like, yeah, no, fuck that. Squid's the way squid's where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and I'm just looking at, you know, isolated here. Yeah. Uh, I, I, at the time I thought that was great. Uh, Cause I think that was one of the things people thought you couldn't do. Like how do you do a squid? Well, you don't yeah. have to, you could do everything else. Sub out the squid. Boom. And you still get Rorschach's moment of judgment. And mm-hmm. it, it was great. I love that final confrontation. To me, that was that was great stuff. And again, you see the utter hopelessness uh, out of Night Owl. And again, yeah. Patrick Wilson really carrying that through. Uh, no, that's that's all fair. And I, I totally agree with you. I love the the sort of reconfiguring of the ending. And I thought it wouldn't have worked. And then, of course, the show just proved everything I ever thought about how you could follow up Watchmen wrong. Because the show was incredible. It but, might have been the best show on television this year. I'm not yeah, going to lie. I mean, yeah. it's certainly right at the top. Full disclosure, I've only seen the first episode. So I, it, I can't speak to what you're talking about. I mean, yeah. I'm not worried about spoilers. I just don't know what you know. We won't spoil anything. Yeah, you know, just take the time and watch it. It's worth yeah. it. Okay. So number five for me was Joker. This pushed out Spider-Man 2. Uh, and with Joker, it all comes down to two things. The performance by Joaquin Phoenix and the way the film lends itself to your own interpretation. I think we can all agree Phoenix is just incredible in this movie. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily better than what Heath Ledger did. It's different than what he did. They feel like two separate characters, even though it's the same character within the source that these are different universes it's a different version of the character they're played in different ways and they're brilliant in different ways it's such a it was such a physically demanding and clearly exhausting performance and he just went all in and i I, I, there's not like a day that goes by i don't think about scenes in that movie the latter i think throughout the film you get glimpses got some concerns that things exist solely inside his own head. Some of these things are very on the surface. What I really enjoyed about the film is that as it goes on, you can start to find yourself sort of second-guessing whether or not this actually happened or not, or whether that actually happened or not. So what is a figment of his own mind and what is not? Is the whole movie a figment of his own imagination? Uh, I really love movies that stick with you. This movie stuck with me. Extra points for the soundtrack. Soundtrack's unbelievable. The score of this film, 
it complements everything that's happening on screen incredibly well, and that's what good scores should do. I talk about the scores in the majority of the movies that I pick for this list. It amplifies everything. So as he begins to slip deeper and deeper into this abyss, the score reflects that, and it's amazing. So that's really why I, I put it on the list. I think, I mean, it's a, it's a depressing movie for sure, but the performance is just too good not to include it. So obviously Phoenix, for me, that's the only actual answer from that movie. And then the yeah. scene is when his two former co-workers from the clown place show up to his apartment and they're like, hey man, like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm fine, I'm doing better than ever. I'm off my medication now. And then, I don't, if you haven't seen it, I guess I don't want to really ruin it, but it's incredible. We should probably just throw up, we're going to spoil the shit out of all yeah. of these So spoiler alert, yeah. he then stabs yeah. this guy in the neck, brutally murders the one clown who's probably uh, physically abusive, sexually abusive to him. It's sort of suggested. Maybe. He goes, you're my special boy. I thought that was a little weird. And then uh, the dwarf who's also there, he lets go. He's like, you were always nice to me, but just the brutality and how it happened so suddenly. And then he just goes back to normal. It's an incredible scene in a movie full of really intense and uh, crazy shit. So that's number five for me. Thoughts? Um, I I will say, um, I'll give it some positives. Um, I did enjoy the um, aspect that you weren't sure you know, what you were watching, whether it was, you know, in reality or in, uh, you know, the Joker's head. I do like the fact that he's an unreliable narrator. I, and I do enjoy that in storytelling. I do enjoy the unreliable narrator. I think that's a fun, that's a fun uh, plot element. Do I think it was well executed in this movie? No. No, I no, don't. it was not. <laughs> I, but... I think there are points in time where it is, <clears throat> and I agree with you that that scene in the apartment, that that was visceral, was good. It was brutal. He felt like a bad guy. He felt like a bad guy that was happy doing bad things. And to your point, he said he was off of his meds. He was in control in that scene. I, I think that uh, the director did a great job of setting up that scene, giving us motivation. It wasn't overwrought. It was very clear. He He showed us. He didn't, he didn't just tell us, he showed us, he gave us just enough exposition to understand. And I think that gave us probably the best glimpse into what that Joker was capable of. Um, I think there were definitely parts of it. Like for example, the, um, night show, um, scene, the guy little too cutesy with it. Oh, is this real? Is it not? Uh, it's like, well, does it, at that point, wait, does it matter? What are the consequences? Anyway, <clears throat> No, but do I think that was a really interesting movie? Yes. Do I think there's legs for that character? Absolutely. Do I want to see that Joker again? Yeah. I want to see him in a Batman movie because I'm still confused what DC's weird obsession uh, with properties that are Batman-centric without Batman are. I don't quite get that. I'm looking at but you, they'll Gotham. still show you the Wayne's death for the fifth time. But they'll time. show us that, yeah. But and they'll make sure that we see the Wayne's get popped again. Um, <laughs> Pearl's fault. No, and everything. every time. Every time. Yeah, but um, 
Yeah, I mean, there's no denying that that performance was unsettling. It was interesting. Um, yeah, do I want to see more of that character? Absolutely. Is it my top five? No. Technically, there's my challenge flag right there. That's the one I'm yeah. saying. Like, eh, not feeling it. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to side with Chumzilla on this one. As much as I appreciate the performance of Phoenix, and it he, you can tell he is acting his ass off. Hardcore. Yeah, that there's too much in that film where the unreliable narrator isn't useful. Like to your point, the the scene of when he's on the Tonight Show or whatever it's called, for unreliable narrator to be in- interesting, both of the answers need to be interesting. Like in in, uh, in Inception, when you see the top spin and it wobbles and it just cuts to black. That's that's not unreliable narrator, but that narrative uncertain, uncertainty is interesting because both answers are good. Either he made it out or no, he's trapped within the dream. Joker does one version of this incredibly well, which is, is the Joker uh, an illegitimate Wayne son or not? And both of those are are really interesting answers, and it doesn't give you a straight answer, and I like that a lot. And you don't but, need one because, like you said, either way, it's interesting. Yeah. But then you have things like, you know, even in the scene where he murders the the three bankers or whatever, he shoots too many bullets. Now, is that unreliable narrator or was that Todd Phillips just not knowing that, oh, he's got a six shooter, so he only gets six shots before he can reload? I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's almost too not an answer. So let's not dump on this too much. Let's jump yeah. to the real point here. The end. At the end of the movie... The Joker's in the hospital. Has he been in the hospital this whole time? Was it all a dream? Was it all a dream? Is this Dallas? Or or, or at what point did he break and he ended up in here? Because he's clearly in the hospital in the end. Right? Because I, I need an anchor point here. And, that, and to your point, Captain Cash, I, I lost track of the anchor points. But maybe that's the point. Well, okay. Fair enough. That's a little tough for the audience to swallow but what i what i imagine seems so made a billion dollars <laughs> if we're playing that game you know what else made a billion dollars a couple transformers movies the audiences love those so you're right uh mr wizard this movie had an audience and it proved that there is a thirst for a hard r dc movie out there because we really haven't had one We've had we've had Logan now. We've had two Deadpool's. DC hasn't given us a hard R. In the Swamp, was Swamp Thing an R? The first uh, one. The first one. Uh, like the second one. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't know if that was uh, that. So, I mean, that ran on cable. Ran on cable. Yeah, maybe it was edited. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, edited. It, anyway, there's definitely. And the Joker is a popular oh, Constantine. character. Constantine. That was R. Con- oh, Constantine, there you go. Is is Legion? Is that a DC or is that? Uh, it was no. something. To, but yeah, I know is what that you're talking independent? About. Doesn't matter. But but I'm talking main universe DC. There yeah. was a hunger for that. The Joker's the perfect character for it because he's a total. He's 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 a psychopath, right? So I think people were excited for that, and I think this movie delivered on a lot of fronts. But back to my point, the ending. I want everybody. I want your takes on it. My opinion is that he did something early in the movie, 
and ended up locked up. Okay, he, and he fantasized the majority of that movie. I think he might have murdered his mom. I don't know. He might have murdered the bankers. He did something to end up where he's at at the end of the movie. He murdered his because mom for er- sure. Uh, I think when he's talking to his therapist in the early part of the movie, she mentioned something about him getting out. No, I think in the end, he did something he's not getting out for. He's been in that whole time. So a lot of this is played out in his head. But he built up this fantasy world. He built up that fantasy persona as the Joker. And then once he's realized it in his head, he's ready to actually bust out in the end. So I don't think the Joker that we know has been exacted on the world yet until the very end when he busts out and you see that little madcap scene at the end. Uh, I think that's his first real venture into the real world. So that's my theory. Happened is your answer. Something happened early, perhaps the murder of his mother. Yeah. And then the rest was him, you know, fantasizing what he could do and then deciding, you know what, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be that person. And then that's when he, Murders yeah. his way out of the psych ward. Eh, I don't know. I that's my that's my theory. For me, that's not that doesn't provide the most interesting version of events. That's why the movie's brilliant. Because yeah, but that's the thing. It, movies that make it, you if think. You can question. Uh, was it all a dream? Not question. Without that's, providing more. That's what the movie's trying to do, though, and that's why it's number five for me. It's not going to be in there mm. if it's like, oh, well, every we know all of these things. Well, right, like, you watch the movie, this man is not capable of taking care of himself. And to the unreliable narrator, then you go, well, is he really taking care of his mother? Or has she just been dead in a room since the beginning of this movie? Like, there's a lot yeah. of things I like to think about movies. I like popcorn movies, too, but this is on the list because it's different. And it tried to do something. It took risks, and it was its own thing. And it's a singular film, and hopefully we don't That's get a sequel. Oh, I, I hope uh, we do. A billion dollars, man. There's no chance. Well, it's tough, but, you know. I, I agree with everything you just said there, Mr. Wizard. Like, and I, I do think this movie is interesting. And I do think it, it's, a, it's interesting as a standalone but I think Phoenix's uh, performance justifies seeing this character again. I want to see him again. Yeah. Does that have to be a standalone? No. Do I want to see him in a Batman movie? Sure. I want to see that Joker again. I think I think that that Joker's got room to grow. You know why this this movie's in the top five? Because now, fortunately, I think we've all been saved from Leto Joker. Oh, <laughs> you can admit that was terrible. Uh, you know, I don't think he was given a very fair shot. I think a lot of his stuff was cut out of the movie, but what we did see of it and what we saw of that movie, I have no interest in going down that road there's, again. There's nothing redeeming about that portrayal. Zero. I just, listen, I, I, would be, I would have been interested to see a more modern gangster Joker. I just don't know what he was doing in a Suicide Squad movie. Like, if he was the target, like, hey, we're going to go fucking kill the Joker. Okay, but that's not what they were doing. There's nothing that let's not even talk about that. Yeah, hey, no. There's a reason that's not in the top of anyone's list either. Captain Cash, number four. My number four. Uh, my number four is Spider-Man Two, coming from 2004 uh, of the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man's. Wait, 
this this isn't the Amazing Spider-Man two. <laughs> uh, uh, no, no, sir. No, no sir. No, sir. No. Okay, sorry. Uh, and I mean, what to say about this movie? This movie took everything that was great about the first Spider-Man movie and did it better. Um, they found a way to use Doc Ock in a way that it, it was just all of the best Spider-Man villains have some sort of connection to Peter Parker or a dark mirror of Peter Parker in some way. And at the beginning of that movie, Doc Ock is basically everything Peter Parker wants to be. He's a world-renowned scientist who has a girlfriend or a wife that loves him, and he's very clearly in a loving relationship. And then a weird science experiment happens, and instead of using his powers to save the world, he uses it to rob banks to build a sun in the middle of Manhattan. But As you know, one does. As you know, the, and having the the puppeteered Doc Ock arms, limited CGI, they're just very, very well done. It, um, it's Sam Raimi to the max. Oh yeah, I mean, even to the point where the scene where the the surgeons are trying to remove Doc Ock's limbs is straight yes. from Evil Dead, and it's awesome. It is spectacular, <laughs> and that bank robbing scene is great too. Yeah, I mean, it just it really was. Everything you wanted out of a Spider-Man movie at the time, this one gave you. I felt the slightly corny Sam Raimi action scenes had a Spider-Man like '60s cartoon vibe to them. Oh, sure. Somehow, like viscerally triggered my brain, and I found that so satisfying. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Yes. Like I loved it. I loved it. And like you said, I think it took everything we got in the first Spider-Man and turned it up to eleven. Yep. And it was it was glorious. Listen, I know Kirsten Dunst does not get the... She catches flack for her role, but she does a decent job here. Uh, yep, yeah, no complaints. She's not a problem in this movie. No. She's fine. It, her, her performance is fine. Might be a little flat. Harris. Perfect. As Aunt May. Well, she, great she, job. She's no Marissa Tomei. <laughs> Listen, I mean, but other than that, you can't knock her. I, did Rosemary Harris have an Oscar? Because, I mean, to be fair, I, you might be right there. Um, but, no, it's just a great movie. Great best performance. Ooh, that's tough because, I, you know, it's got to go to Toby because he's working his butt off here, too. Like, Molina's good. Don't get me wrong. Molina does a great job. But I love when Spider-Man, quote-unquote, loses his powers or whatever, and he, he decides to go about his day as Peter Parker would. At two raindrops keep falling on my head, and you go back and remember, oh, Peter Parker's kind of a giant dork. Do, do you think Toby upped his game from the first? Yes, I do. And they, yeah. and they gave him more there to do, go. too. There you go. Because I feel like it's fairly easy to play skinny dork, become a superhero, but here he got to live in that skin a little bit more. And, you know, it also avoids uh, the... the the uh, homophobic jokes of the first one. So that's a big plus. Um, there you go. Of the scenes, though, of that film, it's got to be the train save sequence where oh. you know, he's stretched out a la Jesus stopping this train with all the people on it. And in the end, they catch him and bring him back inside. And they're looking at, you know, Spider-Man's face because for whatever reason, these movies constantly had <laughs> Peter Parker take off his mask. Uh, but you know, they're gathering around him and like, he's just a kid. He's no older than my son. We won't that, tell that, anybody. That just set up from the bar scene of far from home. Oh yeah. So that, but, uh, 
That's my four. That's a solid four. Okay, on to Chumpzilla for his number four. Okay, well, following up Spider-Man 2 at number four for me is Logan. Okay, and I thought this was a great send-off for Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart. An actor that, as I think we mentioned earlier, embodied their comic character just as much as anybody else, including Evans and RDJ, but was never going to get the proper send-off that those guys got. You know, fuck you, Fox. Okay? So this was it. This was the best swan song that Hugh Jackman was going to get, and it was freaking sweet. Okay? This was an awesome movie. And it was a significant departure from the mainstream Fox X universe, Mm. but it was just familiar enough to give it closure. You still knew what this movie was. It was a standalone But it pulled in just enough. And I mean, come on, Patrick Stewart was no small part of that. But it was familiar. It seemed adjacent to the other X-Men movies. And, you know, those key elements made it feel feel familiar. And it still facilitated that emotional satisfaction you wanted for the character. Um, I think it did the thing that it took phase three Marvel movies to do, which is to confidently say, look, this is the character. You know what this is. We're just going to tell the story now. In that vein, I think this is a masterclass in subverting expectations. And Ryan Johnson should take some fucking notes because this is how you do it. Okay, but moving on. um, Performance, I mean, Hugh is top-notch throughout the whole film. I mean, he is Logan. He is Wolverine. And that's clear. But I'll also say that, that Patrick Stewart is perfect. Again, playing a, a hobbled, damaged. Slightly insane. Yeah, Xavier. and Dementia-riddled Xavier. Yeah, and Daphne Keene like, is... Yeah, is just, don't sleep on Daphne Keene in this either. She was great in this movie. I mean, she carried it just as much as Hugh did. Um, because she plays such a crucial role and she plays such a tough hard stoic character throughout the movie it's great and she really shows her own in the third act um who's the guy who played the cyborg donald blake sure that sounds right he's okay he played oh it's uh i I forget his name but he was in uh that crappy predator movie Uh, yes yes which one not not to the newest one not to for grace the other annoying white guy yeah but uh, anyway uh yeah i mean come on this is hugh jackman's movie through and through so he it is hugh jackman's movie and he, and he nails it for he sure. nails it so there's the top performance but as far as scenes go man i'll tell you what i mean there's a lot of stuff to go around in this movie but the farmhouse scene with the soul glow family that was intense that whole sequence is intense. It is Eric LaSalle. So. Did, did you catch my Coming to America reference there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yes. But that, that whole thing, that was great because that was a roller coaster. That whole thing, they meet them on the side of the road. They get back to the house. The whole thing is an up and down. Woof. That, again, subverting expectations. Ryan Johnson, take notes, buddy. Take notes. I hear Knives Out's good, though, to be fair. What's that? I hear Knives yeah. Out is good. Knives Out? Well, yeah, hey, you know, 
Well, yeah. Maybe he tried not making movie. a shitty movie that time. Uh, I won't. I'm not going to get too deep into Star Wars stuff. But it's like, oh, JJ didn't use what he did, and it's like, well, that's because he didn't use what JJ was setting up. Like, how is this JJ Abrams' fault? He directed two of the three. The middle part doesn't fit. Figure out who made the mistakes. It's not that hard. I, 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 I'm a simple man. I like simple things. I like the Skywalkers in my Star Wars movies, and I like shit to make sense. I'll leave it at that. Number four, Mr. Wizard. I will just say Hugh Jackman, the scene where he has to bury Xavier, that's where he wins the movie. Because Charles is really good. I mean, uh, Patrick Stewart's incredible in the movie, uh, particularly when he's, like, talking with the TV. Like, he's hearing somebody's TV doing a Taco Bell commercial, and you're just like, man... It's really hard to watch him as this decrepit old man who's mentally and physically deteriorating. It's a reminder that a fantastic old age movie. robs us of everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. So my number four, Watchmen, the director's cut. Not the ultimate cut, the director's cut. Uh, ultimate cut's also really good, but let's be honest here. Weaving in the animated version of Tales of the Black Freighter as cool as that is, it doesn't really fit it, a movie as well as it does the graphic novel. So, I, I mean... I've watched them separately, and I see no reason to put them together. Yeah. Uh, so, Rorschach's journal. Don't, <laughs> it simply, don't yeah. <laughs> uh, Chumpsell already said it. This is as perfect an adaptation of the source material as you were probably going to get Uh, And you said it was near impossible. He did it. Top five acting performance in a comic book movie from Jackie Earl Haley. But if you just focus on him, it undersells the rest of the cast. Billy Crudup as Dr. Yeah, he was really good. Insane. Uh, Patrick Wilson, you mentioned. Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the comedian in what had to be an incredibly thankless role. It's just a great movie. Visually. But he's great in every every scene he's in, though. It's, the comedian's a great character, and he plays it very yeah, well. It's a visually yeah. stunning movie. So the graphic novel, I'm not going to knock the art, uh, but the action and visual elements of the graphic novel are just... He, Zack Snyder did something with those that it just brought them to life in such amazing ways. It's still probably, I mean, the See, top three. this is where three. I disagree on that. I feel like the action in the movie interprets it, interprets it incorrectly. The whole story of the book is that superheroes are a bad thing and that their actions are violent and terrible and not cool. So did you not see the movie? Well, yeah, but that's... That's what violence actually is. That's what it looks like when people who are trained to kick the shit out of other people fight people who are not trained. <laughs> Like, they break people's bones. They leave a horrible mess in their wake. It would suck to run into a superhero. Just like, you know, how The Boys depicts it. Like, oh, this is going to be a bad day for you. Well, yeah, I feel like The Boys is just kind of a reboot of Watchmen. Um, but yeah. in some regards. But no, I, I disagree, Captain Cash. I I, I feel like the the... Theme of the Watchmen isn't so much superheroes are bad; it's about their motivations. Yep, and creating distrust it, with the public. 
like at some point, no matter how much good you're doing, which when we get to my next movie, that comes into play, like you are going to become the villain. They say it in the Dark Knight too, right? Like you're only the hero right. until you become the villain. Like yeah. the, the public no, grew no, tired I, of them. And I'm not saying that Watchmen is at all bad or anything like that. I think it's it's the best adaptation you could probably get in the material. I just my one gripe with it was the action scenes are shot in a way that emphasize these guys are cool and they kick ass and look how much ass they kick versus holy shit these people are probably mentally fucked up and shouldn't be doing any of this. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know. You know, Rorschach yeah, hits a guy in the head with a with a friggin' cleaver like multiple times over like it does a pretty nice job of showing like yeah, some of these people are a little screwed up and, and, well, no, and that's they, the point they all are and, and, well and, and i like to point out even in universe they also sort of um show disdain for roshak's tactics yeah yeah you know he, he he's not viewed as like you know um a good guy so to speak mm. and i will point out that i think that one problem i do have with the audience's response to this movie is i think a lot of people want to glorify roshak as a character yeah. and to be clear in the source material and even according to alan moore he's not meant to be a sympathetic anti-hero no he's you're not supposed to relate to roshak and so i think it's very important and accurate that from what I've seen from one episode of the TV series, that yes, he becomes the idol yeah. of people with bad intentions. Because yes, that's that's where his his ideology leads. Uh, he's yeah. not a good person. He's he, you're not supposed to like Roshak. You know, just oh, he's, because he's, he's a tremendous fuck you to Steve Ditko. It's spectacular. <laughs> yeah, just because he sacrifices himself in the end doesn't make him a sympathetic character. That's just him. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. It's a black or white decision. It's not yeah. a it's not a virtue signaling sacrifice. That's just him saying, like, well, that's how I live, that's how I die. Boom. You're not supposed to feel anything for him yeah. there. It's just supposed to happen. Yeah. Moving on. Uh again, it's uh, it's a different type of superhero movie because it's a different type of graphic novel i like things mm. that could be a little grittier i love the aesthetic of this film i think Haley gets the nod for me for acting as i mentioned but there's a lot of people you could put in there it's really tough to not yeah. pick the comedian who has the most thankless role and then scene which is this is why i chose the director's cut in the theatrical cut you find out hollis mason is murdered basically offhand like oh Hollis Mason's dead and then he beats the shit out of the top knot in the director's cut they show you that and it's such a visually it's so well done like so the scene with Hollis Mason going back and forth between the present and his glory days uh, as he's engaging in this fight it really helps then sell when Dryberg flies off the handle and just knocks that guy's teeth out uh because not having that in the movie, I think short changes that because Hollis Mason's a huge part of Dryberg's life. He looks up to him in a lot of ways. So that's my favorite scene. Uh, I also had the times they are changing, but we already mentioned that. So yeah, fair yeah. enough. My, that might be the number one comic book movie uh, title intro. I don't think anything's ever come close. Yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's the perfect song. It's incredible. It's captivating. It when I saw scene. that in the theater, that locked my ass in the seat. Yeah, and yeah. for the for the record, 
the director's cut is Snyder's favorite version of the film. So I would see the director's cut. If you're super into the Tales of the Black Freighter, I guess watch the ultimate cut, but I don't think... It's like a four-hour experience. I don't think it's necessary. (laughs) I redid it recently, and I don't think having that in there adds that much to the movie. So, Aside from if you're really, really into the comic. And you're like, oh, you can't I've watched them both separately. Yeah. Not worth mixing. Not worth mixing. Okay, number three. Captain Cash. Number three, I think, is my newest uh, or most recent movie that I have on this list, and that's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Came out last year, right about this time, 2018. I I absolutely love this movie. I think it is the most comic book of every comic book movie out there. I love that they found a way to represent like every single still frame of this movie is a comic panel it was shot and was shot it was animated in such a way that you can literally pause it they've removed the the motion blur so wherever you pause the movie it's a work of art i love that there are so many background gags and there's clearly a love and devotion to not just spider-man but the art of comics the way that it's animated to sort of match that dot matrix printing that was in a lot of the the 60s comics. Um, I love the surprise of Doc Ock in this movie, that we got a female Doc Ock. I remember sitting in the theater when she does the line of, you know, what did you say your name was again? Olivia Octavius. I remember going, oh, shit. I can't believe they just did that. Because she was in none of the promotional material. All of the performances in this movie are great. Shamik Moore as as Miles Morales is spectacular. Miles' dad is a paperboy from Atlanta. And, you know, you have this, this actor who's famous Wait, for playing... The guy that sung Diddy? What? Paperboy Diddy? No. Yeah, it's, never mind. It's no. not the same paperboy. I, I no. the, the, there's a bad hip hop song from the '90s, Diddy. Oh, uh, Jake Johnson does an amazing job as Peter B. Parker. Chris Pine as the perfect Peter or R.I. Peter. Uh, there's that's Chris an, Pine. That's Chris Pine. Yeah, it's Chris. There, Pine. There's a Christmas album of this, which I did a cosplay of the cover of the Christmas album. It, it's just. And who is it? Haley Steinfeld is uh, is Spider Gwen. This whole movie is just. I didn't even mention Spider Man Noir. Nick Cage, giving John, it full Nick Cage. John Lovitz is Spider Ham. No, it's not John. John Lovitz. Mulaney. It's uh, John Mulaney. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But still, Mulaney is great as Spider Ham. I was hoping for John Lovitz. I'm Wait, just surprised it, you it, haven't mentioned that how much appreciation this film has for the history of Spider-Man and how yeah. it just intertwines that constantly. I think that's the coolest part and of the movie, that it's a comic within a comic it's like we talked within about a with comic, Logan. basically. It, it, is yeah. that Haley Seinfeld of the Seinfeld Seinfelds, or is that a different Seinfeld? Steinfeld, you jackass. Steinfeld. That's from so uh, season 10 of Seinfeld where he has a daughter he never knew about. Is that, is that Putty's illegitimate love child? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she behaves exactly like Newman. 
Oh, um, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to make your game. I, I wish I had another challenge flag to throw because I think this movie is entertaining. I think it's a great cartoon. I don't think it belongs anywhere near the other movies we've talked about today. I just I mean, I would deny yeah, that challenge. Listen. No, I, I'm going to be the, I'll be the wet blanket here. I'll take the hate. I, I enjoyed it. I watched it. I bought it for my kids. I've seen um, this but, movie like 115 times by this point because of kids. Yeah. And I still just think it is so well done. There's it always it's, something to find and look at. It just it's full on great. Plus, there's a reference to Clone High in this movie, which yeah. I absolutely love. This I think really, the Clone Saga is one of the shittiest storylines in Spider-Man history. No, no, no. Not the Clone Saga. Clone High, the Lord and Miller TV show that ran, ran on MTV one year in 2002 oh. where they what is it? They dug up famous guys and ladies and made a music yes. genetic copies. Yes. Now the clones I, I are sexy teens. I, I saw that. I loved I Clone High. That. I had the DVDs. Yes. I fucking love that show. I didn't have the DVDs. I saw that. Holy shit. I know what you're talking about. You bought it, the There's DVDs a reference to Clone College. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Lord Miller, but, if you're listening, I would watch the shit out of Clone College. Just don't include Gandhi this time so Indians don't riot. That's why it got canceled. Uh, people were going on hunger strikes because they were displeased with the way that it portrayed Gandhi. It's like Gandhi and Lincoln. Abe Lincoln and Joan yeah. of Arc. And the Kennedys! Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. It, 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 <laughs> Listen, I in there. What you hurry? Fucking love Clone High. And Into the Spider-Verse is a great movie. It absolutely deserved to win an Oscar. I enjoyed oh, yeah, the post credit sure. scene. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the postcard scene is also amazing. But that's, it just, oh, yeah. it really, I mean, it channels so much of the history of Spider Man and works it it's in the movie. It's got Poe Dameron in the postcard scene. Yeah. I think it's incredible. So, I love it. Yeah. But as, uh, you know, I just, I'll be the wet blanket, guys. <laughs> Thumbs down. Right, Entertaining, well. but not a top five. Not top. I'm just saying, not top five. Outside not of Spider-Man sucks. Two, it's the best thing Sony's ever done with Spider-Man by a long shot, by a wide margin. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, you're setting a really low bar there. Listen, I know that, Spider-Man but two? it's the only bar I can set. No, no, I mean, after Spider-Man Two, you've got like the basement. So yeah, that's that's fair. And you know what? I really I need to ask Sam Raimi why the Green Goblin suit is just essentially a remake of Jet Jaguar from Godzilla vs. Megalon. I've now watched that six times in the past two days, and it's really bugging me. And I need to I need answers. I I can give you some answers to that. Okay, I was talking to Sam the other day. Okay, he still <clears throat> he still feels kind of broke up about this. But have you ever seen? The practical effect they try to do for a comic accurate Green Goblin mask. I've seen the screen tests. They're pretty I cool. Yes, you, I think they looked cool for like, you know, 30 seconds on YouTube. I don't think that would have held up on screen. <laughs> well, as uh, much as, because usually I'm the guy rallying for the comic accurate. Give me the comics, man. Give me the comic accurate costume. I want to see Electro in the goofy headgear. Man, that Green Goblin mask was not going to work. It, it was not going to work. I think in looking at the original Spider-Man, I'm going to digress very soon because we got to move on, but 
it's almost like they'd created that suit because CGI wasn't at the level it needed to be to do anything more than just a pretty stale-looking green outfit. Because a lot of the mm-hmm. scenes of that movie don't hold up particularly well. Like when Spider-Man's jumping on the balloons at the World Peace Parade. Oof, it, yeah, yeah. It kind of looks pretty shitty now. But we'd never seen it before. So yeah. at the time... Yeah. It, those movies are very much a product of their time. They don't hold up great, but look at good it, you enough. Star Wars. Don't at me. Well, yeah, moving on. Everything moving on, about like said, Bonesaw holds up. Everything, minus the homophobic comments. Oh, and he also wouldn't have lost to Spider-Man in two minutes. Bonesaw would have worked that chicken wing. No way. Elbow drop from the top. One, two, three. Bonesaw is always ready. Listen up, brother. You're going nowhere. I got you for right. three minutes. Okay. Uh, three minutes of playtime. <laughs> all right. What's your number three, Chump? All right. Well, guys, this is pretty generic in stock after all this arguing. So I'm almost embarrassed to say that my number three is Avengers Endgame. Simply put, they stuck the landing. Straight up. The. The only ending in 2019 that stuck the landing. I disagree. Yeah, what other ending stuck the landing? Like a hundred other movies that weren't 25 movies in. <laughs> I, I'm talking about two movies in. <laughs> the Irishman stuck the landing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yes, it had a lot of, it had a lot of expectations going with it. And Between Game of Thrones and Star Wars and everything else that ended this year, Endgame stuck the landing. Yeah, man, it stuck the landing well. I mean, I'll call back to what I said during Logan. This gave the send off to some key characters that we'd fallen in love with over the last almost ten years. Yeah, you know, effectively, technically eleven. Yeah, it's only 11. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, back to Iron Man. Yeah, it's all 08. So it was visceral, it was emotional, and it was satisfying. Was it high art? Did it elevate the genre? Not really. I Not don't really. know, man. Did it elevate the genre during the portal scene? Holy shit, I don't no, know. No, I, I, I think that was fan service to the highest degree. Because you could say fan service is fan service and knock it. That was fan service that served the plot. That was fan service that made sense. And credit to the Russos, they built things up to crescendo where they could deliver that fan service and just, you know, boom, in your face, here it is, balls to the wall. And oh, by the way, you want to know the performance in this movie? Yeah, you give that to RDJ. Can't can't do can't knock that scene in the movie easily. Chris Evans, boom. Avengers, assemble, boom. Mew Mew in his hand. Holy shit, that's been eleven years in the making. We're all nerds. We've read the comics. I read the Infinity Gauntlet saga when I was a kid. I knew where this was going. I knew the snap was coming. I knew what was up. I knew everything. I knew that, that eventually Captain America was going to pick up Mjolnir. It was going to happen. Had to. We, we, they teased it back in Age of Ultron. They teased it, though. That's the best part. They just yeah. they gave you the littlest yeah. hint. 
they they it, teased Avengers Assemble in Age of Ultron when it, like anywhere else they'd have given you Avengers Assemble in Avengers One. Yeah, and 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 they blast us with that money shot in the portal scene, and it was freaking sweet. And here's where before Mr. Wizard can shit all over my parade here, I will say <laughs> that the MCU has had a massive villain problem. There's been a vacuum in the villain realm. Mm. But I think that Endgame Thanos, the one that didn't get his head cut off, was a big enough dick that he was almost villain enough to carry some of that negative balance that gave even more weight to all the fan service because he decimated their compound. He fucked all their shit up. You know, he, he was working in the backgrounds. He was one of the more capable villains that we'd seen in the MCU. And I think it warranted that huge onslaught, which made that giant battle scene and it made it awesome. And again, you had 20 plus films leading up to that. They fucking put a bow on it. They put a bow on it. They nailed it. And time travel shenanigans aside, the old man Rogers reveal in the end put a lump in my throat. Like oh, I was dude. cool. Cap got I his hands, man. Cap got his I was cool seeing RDJ die. I was a little shocked. I was kind of shocked to see um, Black Widow die so early in the film. In fact, I think she got the short stick here. Oh, but, very much so. But, but hey, she gets one more movie, so she's not mm. done yet. But that movie that also looks pretty great. Old Man Rogers, the little buddy action scene between him and Bucky and Falcon, and then he's on that dude. That put a lump in my throat. That put a lump in my throat. That was good, man. Russo Brothers. That was a curveball. I did not see that coming. That got me. This movie was damn near perfect. Mm, no, I'm off my soapbox. Uh, I'll throw the challenge like. Uh, just because I don't think I'm going to throw it in the last two. I think this is a very awesome 45-minute movie that happens to be three hours long. It's very convoluted. The time travel makes not a lot of sense at all. There's a lot of questionable scenes in it. There's a lot of shitty humor in it. Uh, And the time heist upon reviewing uh, is not very much fun, and it's just boring until it gets this incredible battle, which... Uh, I'll agree with Captain Cash, is genre not only redefining, but uh, we've already seen what it has impacted. Like that scene, the way they did that scene, somebody already stole from that, and I won't reveal what, but they did. Yeah, I disagree that the humor doesn't land, because the humor lands very well. There's a lot of bad jokes. A lot of forced jokes over you, like just too much. Don't agree. Mm-mm. The taco Mm-mm. joke is terrible. It's a terrible setup. It's not funny. It should have been cut from That's the movie. Paul Rudd. Yeah. You, you should, Paul Rudd is. That's Paul Rudd. You can't knock Paul Rudd. It should have been the cut. The biggest from the movie. challenge that the Avengers jokes face is that the the main running gag is they call people by a name who is not their name. Squidward, Legolas, oh, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Ford, Flash Gordon. Listen, that they do that a lot. I think it's a brilliant dude, forty-five dude, dude, you're, minutes. You're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. It's three yes. hours long, and Infinity War is a better movie. That's my biggest problem. I will, I will agree. Now, that at three hours long, it does feel long, and it's hard to that first hour is all of table setting, and it is intense. 
And it yeah. kind of needs to be, given everything that this has to carry. You, this movie wouldn't succeed without that. But I feel like, as a result, it's not its not like Infinity War, where I can throw it in, and it's banger scene after scene after scene after scene after scene. That like that, I will skip that first hour when I watch Endgame with my kids, just because there's just nothing happens. You get the Ronin scenes, which... Are kind of yeah. dark, and I've never much cared for the MCU version of Hawkeye. Pro- R- Renner, prove me wrong in the Hawkeye series if you're not some massive creep, uh, and they still let you do it. But that's what I mean. Infinity War is a great ending to an incredible run, but it is—I would not include it in the top five. That's just me. I don't think it's a top five MCU movie. Mister Wizard, I got one thing to say—not one word, one thing to say—on your left. Oh, yeah, Cap. that was cool. And it paid off. Dude, yeah. this, this is a master class in payoffs. The whole the on your left, the hug, off. the dance, every bit of this. The fact that Bruce Banner is the one to do the, the original, the first snap, because gamma radiation is pr- primarily what the gem set off, harkens back to Avengers 1. And, it, and, I, and I like every man baby that cries about the girl team up scene. Just to I know. freaking take a chill pill. It's yeah. a comic book movie. It's all about splash panels, and that was great. You mm-hmm. know what? You don't like that? That's okay. It wasn't for you. You know, I prefer <laughs> that wasn't for you, buddy. That to wasn't live for you. In a space of the internet where I don't know those are actually things, and I lived a good chunk of time not knowing people were mad about that, and then I found out. And I'm like, what? it's like yeah. five, it's yeah. like 15 <laughs> seconds of a three hour movie. <laughs> Was it cheesy? Yeah, it was cheesy. That so it's like ninety percent cool. of everything else in these movies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I also I also enjoyed um, that they didn't let uh, Captain Marvel be too overpowered. She did blow up uh, Thanos' entire ship, and she did no sell the headbutt. But the no sell headbutt is so good. But, but I love then that. She, then she got Smash Brothers punched off the screen with the Power Stone. So it comes full circle. I mean, and amazingly, never returned. She kind of sucks. I don't like that movie. That's besides the point. It yeah, didn't require plot her. Plot didn't require it, <laughs> Mr. Wizard. Plot did not require it. Uh, they could have just made the Hulk awesome still, and it would have been fine. <laughs> Instead, he does nothing. I will say the Hulk's lack of a role is kind of disappointing. Uh, in the, in, in the end fight. In the end fight. In the end fight. Yeah, he. I don't think they really did. Uh, Professor Hulk particularly well. No, they could have been better. What I, I will say this: what I did enjoy, and some of the knocks on this movie, was that when the initial Thanos barrage comes in, and Ant Man gets blown back, it would have killed him. People, yes, it would have killed no, all of them. No, <laughs> if you zoom in, you see that Ant Man shrinks down during that. Yeah, if you slow down the film. Ant-Man actually shrinks down to avoid the debris. But what about all the other people who get buried under rubble when he unleashes an arsenal on this place and they're not hurt at all? They're mini godlings with the exception of Hawkeye. These aren't the droids you're looking for. I'm just telling you, there's there's some issues with movies. Awesome as it is, I made my case. Uh, My number three, you guys are now going to... If I'm judging, I'm still giving it to Chumzilla. Wow. Thank you're, you. You're a shill. Get wow. out of here. You're not impartial. 
You're like the Mitch McConnell of this <laughs> that, panel. Those weren't the rules. Those weren't the rules. What's your number three? Uh, so now, I mean, now you guys are going to crap all over my movie anyway, so I can state my case at least. Because this is a contract. I've already thrown my flag. You're free. To You're be free sure. to go, Mr. Wizard. Uh, now, Watchmen was my number four. I think it's Zack Snyder's best movie, but because of the degree of difficulty to make it, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, The Ultimate Cut is my number three. Throwing my flag, but say your point. Uh, I think that as time has gone on, I think more people are starting to appreciate it. I think you can see that in sort of the desire to see the Snyder version of Justice League because Justice League is such a mess and because he was doing different things with these characters and that's okay. We don't all have to be really mad that it's not exactly what we'd like for them because or this is a universe of infinite stories. They can always be told again. Somebody else can do something different. If everybody did the same shit with Superman, it'd get pretty damn old. <coughs> Brian Singer. Right? Like, why did nobody respond to that movie? Because he didn't do anything new or exciting or different. He just stole somebody else's ideas. So even though I like that movie, right? It's a really derivative movie of a movie that came out 30 years before it. Anyways. So, uh, like Logan, which was mentioned, like Joker, I thought this film pushed a lot of boundaries, took a lot of risks. It's dark. It can be depressing. But that's the world. I liked seeing the superheroes within the context of a world very similar to our own. I thought it was refreshing. Now, Superman is still finding his way in this movie, and I do think it's a better Batman movie than a Superman movie. It's showing you the difficulty of becoming Superman. It's a trying journey. He's still doing the right things, despite what public sentiment might be. There's a real weight to it. Uh, I can't get enough of this movie. I love Eisenberg. I know that's not a popular opinion. Sorry. Uh, he's a I'm trying to let film. you have your piece before I interject with how much I hate this film. But oh, Yeah, but that, God, you know, you're like a one-note record. He's a layered villain with an actual plan, a plan that amounted to more than, I'm evil and I'm going to destroy the world. Wait, okay, been, what is his what, plan precisely? Yep. Do you seriously Elaborate, know? elaborate. Yeah. Elaborate. Please elaborate. Explain to me what his plan actually is. Defend your case. This really isn't that hard to understand, guys. Okay, then then go right in. Okay, so... Educate us, please. Now, if you watch the movie, even once, you, it's pretty obvious. Uh, he knows from the very beginning who Batman is and who Superman is. How? How? No, nah, I, don't, I don't need the how. I can accept that he is okay. smart okay. enough that he yes. figured it out. Moving right. on. So that's sort of some of the brilliance of some of the scenes. But Superman, right is theoretically perfect. He is a god. In Lex's view, Lex, who's this extremely flawed but extremely intelligent human being, does not believe... Flawed how? Well, he has many imperfections. By being human? Well, you see that throughout the movie. Like, he tries to be smarter than everybody in the room. He fucks up. Those things bug him. Where does he fuck up being smarter than everybody in the room? If anything... This is the most effective Lex Luthor. I just hate it. No, but you see moments of his imperfections when he uses the wrong word at his charity gala in front of the entire room, and it pisses him off. Oh, okay. I I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. He's not slick. I got you. Okay. If Superman is supposed to be a reflection of, of perfection, 
He does not believe that is possible in his eyes. You're explaining motivations. I just need you to explain to me what is his plan it's for no, the no, film. No. It's really simple. Okay. Check the cash. I'm I'm following here. Keep yeah. keep going, Mr. Wizard. I'm listening. Okay, so he sets up Superman, does that whole deal. He gets Superman to stop believing in himself in order to stop paying wait, attention wait, 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 for long. Don't, don't yada yada this. He here. sets up this whole deal. What what whole deal does he set up? The desert? Uh-huh. The deaths in the desert, which Superman then becomes culpable for because of the actress he hired to frame him. He frames Batman by having people in prison murdered who have the brand, which creates the confrontation between Superman and Batman. Time out. Is that in the movie? Yeah. It's in the ultimate yeah, director's cut. cut. Yeah. Which should so have been released. Thing. If the people who are getting the Bat Ooh. brand are being killed in prison... Batman is still branding those people. So what? Batman breaks people's arms. What's the difference? Don't try and don't try and stand on some moral high ground now. Batman beats the shit out of people, breaks their arms, severely kicks the crap out of them. Branding them is not that far of a bridge to cross when it, you're at the end of your road. It's a very different kind of thing. Well, it's watch a, it's then, a very, then watch the movie. Know. There's a difference Watch between I'm going to stop you from doing something because we're in a fist fight to I've already beaten you and now I'm going to sear my symbol into your flesh. Okay, so you That's don't understand anything about head does. trauma or, or physical but, damage. Because when you break a guy's knee, that is going to create a lasting damage far worse than having yeah. a brand on you. Okay. I hate to tell you this, but when you snap a man's knee and it goes in the wrong direction, they will never walk correctly again. Don't, don't so, break my knee, please. So let's yeah. not pretend like Batman uh, doesn't do messed up things. And in the context of the movie, he's a Batman that sees that yeah. the impact of what he's done for decades has amounted to nothing. But, but he's certainly okay with murdering people. Okay. It's, so why, why, does that, why, is, why does Lex Luthor need to pay people... Because it then creates the conflict for Superman. He's like, wait but a Batman's minute. Batman's already I'm... killing people. Oh, Jesus Christ. He does. <laughs> okay, but keep going. Keep going. All right, so Lex has engineered a situation wherein Superman has Batman two choices. Superman don't trust each other. Batman, yeah. Superman has two choices. He goes to Gotham, he brings him the head of the bat, exposes himself for the fraud that he believes him to be. When the world sees what he truly is, they will turn against him. For good. Flip side, if he goes to Gotham and does what he assumes he will do and refuse to fight Batman, he has already laid out this entire plan because he knows how much Batman hates Superman for Batman to steal the kryptonite and then kill Superman. Job is done. No one's the wiser. So Those are the Lex choices. Luthor had to know that if he got the kryptonite... Batman would steal it from him. Yes, he knew that Batman was tracking his computers. He went to his party and broke into his encrypted files. He knows everything that's going on. That's what makes him brilliant. And that's what makes this version of the character that much more brilliant. He's always three moves ahead of the chess game. He's, he knows Black, Batman is blinded by rage because of what happened in the Metropolis fight with Zod. He has a singular focus. His entire career has amounted to nothing if he can stop this person who can potentially destroy the world maybe his life has meant something this is it 
This is his big thing. And he doesn't think, right? Alfred the whole time is telling him, hey, you're an idiot. Look at what you're becoming. This is not the way. But he's dedicated himself to that. Lex knows he's going to steal that. When he shows up to LexCorp and the rock is gone, look at the look on his face. It's exactly what he wanted to happen. It's exactly how he planned it. Why, then why arrange that? What, what, for plot reasons, so Batman can murder a couple people and have a Batmobile scene? Well, and at what point did all this require any of this bullshit before he creates Doomsday? Well, Doomsday is created as the contingency. Because if both of those options fails, he's not going to be bested by these two maroons. Enter Doomsday. Which would have been an awesome reveal had they not shown it in the trailer. But yeah, which that that's a horrible marketing decision. Yeah, um, no, that's not good. No, it was terrible. But but what additional motivation did did Bruce really need after the whole Metropolis thing? Because exactly why even, after that? Yeah, why even antagonize Batman? He's, he's he seemed mega butthurt. He didn't really antagonize Batman. He antagonized. He creates the conflict for then Superman to start digging into Batman. So he would have a legitimate reason to say, hey, I should probably stop this guy. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm going to draw a parallel to, to the boys here and just say that in the real world, Superman would have homelandered the fuck out of all these chumps and moved on. But Superman's not this like Superman that. Superman certainly would have. There, there would have been heat vision. Oh, would he? Zoom. That would be the end of all this kill shit. Besides Zod, which the whole point of killing Zod is that he's alone. He makes a sacrifice. He makes a play. I get you don't like it, but you're you're just saying like, oh, these are stupid things. Again, you have to have valid reasons for something to be stupid. Yeah, oh, going back I agree. to Batman I agree. Superman doesn't work. It it is Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is so wildly unlikable. Isn't that the point? And the wrong, for the extent. wrong reasons. For the wrong yeah. reasons. You, he can be a bad guy, but he's so constantly... Let's stop here for a second. What's the yeah. biggest disappointment of this movie? The fact that I felt nothing when they killed Superman. You guys really ruined the spirit of this. And all I could think was, oh, Jesus, really? Yeah. No, my, my biggest disappointment is that, sadly, I think this leads to us not getting... Uh, Joe Magliano as uh, Deathstroke. That that would be pretty great. Because God damn, is that fucking awesome? <laughs> and, and and Ben Affleck as Batman. I would hey, Mister Wizard, don't hate me, but I would love to see another Ben Affleck Batman movie. Everybody would. He deserved another. Movie. He's great. He's the he's the best part of the movie. Irons is a close second. Boozy Alfred's the best. I'll take Fat Batman. I don't even care. No, I, will. I won't. I, I'll take no. f- overly tan Affleck Batman is not a good. No, thing. I'll take Fat Batman. Fat yeah. Batman. If if Fat Batman gets me uh, Magliano Deathstroke, I'm in. I don't know how much I'm gonna have to cut out of this. It's all ruined. Isn't that <laughs> basically just Kevin Smith? It's all ruined. Oh snap! Great score for this movie. Hans Zimmer, Junkie XL, music's incredible. Really For a guy who brought up Inception, you're awful judgy about Hans Zimmer now. Wait, hey, uh, you think did that Mr. Wizard. Score? Mr. Wizard, I have a question. Yes. Who was responsible for 
the Wonder Woman theme with the electric violins. Yeah, that's the, it originated this movie. Yeah, because that yeah. is awesome. It is awesome. I, I will steal from the Chris Farley show. That is awesome. Like that, that I, I get a tingle every time I hear that. It's freaking sweet. Captain Cash, do you agree? Come on. You remember that time you guys played the electric violins and you showed up and and fought Doomsday? That was awesome. <laughs> do you remember that time that Jesus uh, upset all the tables with the money changers? Yeah, that was awesome. All right, we got to hurry up now. Uh, all right. Great score. Uh, you know how it's a great score? Watch Justice League and then compare the scores. Because Danny Elfman's score for Justice League is a travesty. So even if we don't get the Snyder Cut, can we at least get Junkie XL's score for Justice League? Because it's done, and he said it's done. So just release it and make a lot of money, please. Thanks. Hey, I, I'm right there with you, Mr. Wizard. I want to see the Snyder Cut. I do. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see a movie that follows up this movie in, in any way, shape, or form. Not whatever the hell we got. With Batman's suit who doesn't fit, fighting on a rooftop with the guy from Lights Out. Get out of here. Crap movie. I, I, do, I do have one issue with this DC universe. That How exists. in the hell did they let <laughs> Ma Kent go into foreclosure? Well, that makes we... no sense to me. How, like, this is a Ma world Kent now. Ma Kent is a Randian a-hole? No, m- Everyone knows be their that... hero, be their savior, be none of it. You don't know this world a thing. What the yeah. fuck? Okay. Oh my Besides goodness. her shitty attitude, she kno- she knows Lois Lane. Lois Lane knows Batman. Lois Lane knows somehow, sort of, kind of um, Wonder Woman. Doesn't matter. You don't need to know Wonder Woman. It goes back to Bruce Wayne. He's a rich asshole. How the fuck did they let the Kent farm go into foreclosure? I bought the and, bank. And you I, could have just I, bought the farm and gave it to us. Buying the bank seems a little excessive, doesn't it? But but but, but at the end, at the end, how come he, they were at his funeral? They knew the Clarks. Okay, I'm gonna. Bruce, Bruce knew the Kents. I don't. How did I just he let the care. farm go into foreclosure? I don't. It makes care. no sense. I don't care. You should. You should care. I don't. Nope, I just don't care. Chewbacca is a Wookiee. He lives on Endor <laughs> with the Ewoks. That makes no sense. <laughs> I, I don't care. Therefore, Ma Kent should not be foreclosed okay. on. Uh, this, I'm cutting this entire movie out. I had no number three. I had no number three. Uh, but if there was a number three for me, my favorite scene was the warehouse fight. Okay, number number two, Captain Cash. Number two goes to Avengers. Uh, it proved that... You could make a multiple combo movie uh, and do it well, and to the point that literally everyone else in Hollywood bet the farm on this, and it has not worked out for any of them. You look at the dark universe for Universal's monsters, you look at the DCEU, and all of them are just trying to do the Avengers and failing spectacularly. But this film just is amazing the tracking shot where it goes avenger to avenger to avenger yeah it's got the disposable cgi fight at the very end with the disposable cgi army but 
that had never really been done in a, in a similar way before. And you took these four very, very different stories. You took the technological espionage of Iron Man. You took the World War II gung-ho, you know, war movie Captain America. You took the magic of Thor, and then you took the werewolf movie that was the Incredible Hulk and mashed them all together and created this thing that was incredible. And they introduced the post-credit sequence with Thanos to let you know, oh, we've got a plan for this, and it's going a lot further. Uh, who do I give the the top billing to? I'm tempted to go Hiddleston because Hiddleston really does do a great job, but I'm going to give it to Ruffalo. Ruffalo was the replacement Hulk, and he managed to do a, a Bruce Banner that was, in certain terms, kind of funky and weird. But, I mean, I think one of the main lines you take away from that is, that's my secret, Cap. I'm always angry. And boom, the Hulk shot comes in. Uh, as far as the scene, I mean, the scene has to be the final fight where it's the... the it's the tracking shot. Don't, yeah. don't sell it short. It's a tracking shot. Yeah, where it and, goes Avenger to Avenger. They're all fighting. It's a single shot. And my God. And it doesn't even tarnish with time as a result of Calf's terrible costume. Oh, Somehow yeah. the cheese factor holds up. But you're right. Ruffalo rolling up on the motorbike. Yep. That was fucking outstanding. Out fucking standing. And this whole thing where he drops through to the floor no offense uh you know to ed norton i was gonna say sam elliott <laughs> he was in that movie too he was in but, that movie he's yeah. a better thunderbolt <laughs> yeah but no, no offense to sam elliott <laughs> slash edward norton but yeah ruffalo nailed that he made yep. a much more relatable bruce banner sam elliott's in the ang lee hulk yeah eric banna <laughs> who's australian william hurt is thunderbolt in uh from norton on yeah yeah he's coming wearing, back he's for wearing a wig and he's still around not apparently. a good wig either and black widow yeah <laughs> yeah they're de-aging everyone now and i'm not sure how i feel about it you know that was a huge movie and you know you could remember at the time the only character with two movies under their belt was iron man yeah, and the second movie wasn't that good. <laughs> uh, you know what? People don't it's like fun. It. I did. I enjoy it. It's fine. But it, I wouldn't I, put it at the top of the list. But yeah, it's fine. No, but hey, you know what? I will say this. I feel like there was more Sam Rockwell in the MCU. I wish there was more Sam Rockwell. If, if there was a movie that was just 90 minutes of Sam Rockwell dancing to pick up the pieces, I think I'd be okay with it. You know, Justin Hammer was a good character. We should see more of him. I'm hoping but, to bring uh, him back for a Thunderbolt. I'd much rather watch Iron Man 2 than 3 with uh, poor Guy Pierce as a character from a shitty video game with his dumb dragon tattoos and his glowing skin. Yeah, that, that movie awesome. sucked. I, I don't know. know. I like that. Shane Black, no offense, but that movie sucked. Ugh. Yeah. But no, Again, I, I I made the comment earlier. I think Avengers showed Hollywood what you could do with comic characters in the costumes, teamed up, 
tuned to 11. Don't be scared. Yeah. This will work. My only knock on this is that I think in some of the action scenes that uh, Joss Whedon's TV chops limited yeah. what the characters could do. I think, and Mr. Wizard has made this comment before, Captain America is kind of a pussy in this movie. He's, Aside from being, his leadership is strong. His, yeah, his leadership is strong, but his action scenes is mostly like platform jumping a la Tomb Raider. Yeah. That's about all he can accomplish. He's a far and, cry from having more physical success against Thanos than Thor does. Which yeah, is like, are I, these the same character? Because I remember when this guy was having trouble with the Jukari. Hold on, hold on. More physical then, success. Be fair. Thor, Thor killed Thanos at least once and almost killed him. He almost killed him by uh, catching him off guard. And he killed him when he was weak and dying. So... They fought. Still to, killed him. Like, Still killed him. The highlight of the fight. And I'm not sure he was weak and dying. Him. I'm sure he was just he underpowered. Arm. His arm was still there. It was just fused with the gauntlet. Also, he was weak. let him kill him. He's like, all right, go ahead. My mission's done. Kill me. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think. I think. I think he was. You know, he was comfortable with dying. Yes. Mm. Just like I was comfortable with challenging that movie. Uh, now, okay. your, your turn. <laughs> number two. Chumpzilla. Oh, geez. All right. Number two for me is Captain America, the Winter Soldier. In my opinion, this is easily the best movie in the MCU. The Russo brothers brought Cap into the present and also gave him perhaps the best, excuse me, gave us the best Blackwood of the date. And not just a great comic movie, but it's a solid political thriller. Anybody familiar with the source material was not surprised by the Winter Soldier reveal. So, (laughs) no spoilers here, but not a big surprise. But, uh, you know, I think this movie also has some of the best action in any of the MCU movies. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, come on. This is, it's got some great fight choreography. And uh, I would encourage anybody that hasn't seen it to watch the behind-the-scenes footage. Watch Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan work on these fight scenes together. It's insane. Like, this is not CGI, folks. I cannot repeat. The knife flip, man. Yeah, the knife flip. The knife flip, the elevator scene, all that stuff. Like, that. that they really did that. It's all practical. It's great. It's awesome. I love it. And and, uh, Rumlo and, you know, uh, uh, Grillo. Yeah, Frank, Frank Grillo. Grillo, he's great in this. I will say this. The thing that Winter Soldier did was it made Captain America cool. Yes, he kicked ass. He absolutely kicked ass. Yeah, he wasn't getting shot in the stomach and looking like he was done for fighting the no. weakest aliens in the history of aliens who Hawkeye was routinely kicking the crap out of. Oh, Hawkeye. You'd you, you be nice to Hawkeye. I, but he no, was just no. so weak Hawkeye? in the first Avengers. His, no, like his said, superpower this, was punching a heavy bag off the yeah, hinges. No, no, this is the Russo brothers bringing Captain America into the present. And, okay, performance, hey, it's it's Chris, Chris Evans all the way. I'm not going to take oh, yeah. away from that guy. I give him that one. But best scene in the movie, I mean, I feel like I'm obliged to say it's the elevator scene, which is awesome and personally my favorite. But I think this movie really has three top-notch action scenes in it. And I'm not even counting the end. 
you've got uh, the uh, assault on Nick Fury. You've got the highway fight. Yeah, also the highway fight. The highway fight, which has the knife flip, and then you've got the elevator, and then you've got the whole end sequence, which that's kind of CGI shit, and I can throw that away. Those other three scenes: the Fury scene, the highway, and the elevator. I even think the attack on the battleship is incredible. I would pick the highway fight. Oh, I think the highway fight is... The, oh, the opening scene. Something. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. And, and Bartok the Leaper. Leaper, Come yeah. It's a, good, it's a great action movie. I cannot fault it. It is probably the strongest single MCU film. Yeah, I, I completely forgot about the, the battleship scene at the beginning. Yeah, that, that, which, which, which is good. It's a straightforward fight scene. Mm-hmm. But to your point, uh, to both of you guys... You see Captain America kick some ass. He's not hitting the heavy bag there. He's he's knocking bad dudes out left and right. Yeah, he, he looks physically overpowering in the way he's supposed to. When he kicks a guy and knocks him over the edge of the ship, you're like, boom. Yeah. Oh, like, oh, my God, that guy died. Yeah, that guy that guy's back is broken now. Like, he's not or he's drowning. Yeah. Either or. Yeah, he's drowned. He's uh, dead. <laughs> you know, now that my number three has been stricken from the record... Because you guys are two tremendous assholes. It's on to my number two. <laughs> you guys, I had this beautiful thing written about BBS, and you guys just totally screwed up. You totally screwed up. We still, lo- we still love you, Mr. Wizard. I'm going to watch yep. it tonight. I'm going to cry. <laughs> just sweet, salty tears. Oh, think no. About, think about you two bullying me. Uh, number two for me, Superman the Movie. This was on Captain Cash's list. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just a magical movie. And even though it was made now 40-plus years ago, wow, it really stands the test of time. It's as close to a perfect representation of the character as there is. Mm. And what it accomplished had not been done before. Uh, take years to replicate it, over a decade, to Batman 89. Uh, They set the mood in this film so well with the music. Again, this is John Williams. His score is just Uh, amazing. They've used the prelude to March since. Uh, But the use of music, just like when Jonathan Kent dies, it's a real impactful piece of music in that scene. mm. It's very solemn. Uh, The way they use colors in the movie is very interesting. It changes throughout the film to sort of fit uh, what is going on? It's more subdued when he's in this young town, or this small town in Smallville, in Kansas. <clears throat> and when he goes to the big city, all of a sudden it's becoming more vibrant. It's it's really amazing what they were able to do with this. Richard Donner, uh, incredible. Now, I will say, up until a couple of years ago, I probably don't think this would have been in my top five because so much new stuff really? has come out. And I'd sort of let time go by without having seen it for a long time. But then I went to a screening that uh, ASU Film School put on. So I got to see the movie on the big screen, uh, which was incredible. That, you know, obviously that's the intended format of all these movies. And it just filled me with like this crazy sense of nostalgia. And we've said it, Reeve is amazing as Superman. I think his, his performance more so than any other actor encapsulates the dichotomy between Clark and Cavill incredibly well. It's really kind of hard to describe the impact that this version has if this is the one you grew up with. Like, 
you believed a man could fly when you saw this movie. So Reeve, that's the actor. I agree with Captain Cash. Got to be Christopher Reeve. Uh, but since he said yes. him, I would then go with Gene Hackman. Margo Kidder. Also really great in this film. In a different way than I think Eisenberg is great as Luthor. That's why you know it's sometimes it's fun to see two different people doing two different things. The scene, I think, when he first reveals himself to the world in Metropolis as Superman, and he catches the uh, human fly, mm. and he catches the bank robbers, and he helps the little girl with the cat. That's a perfect Superman scene. That's showing the the impact of what Superman can do in just one night, and he's going all over the place and doing all these different things. But I guess you'd probably have to say it's the helicopter rescue, but. I like the montage is just insane. Bad vibrations. Uh, I love it. No, you nailed it when yeah. he saves the cat. Yeah. To me, that 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 whole sequence was like that's peak Superman. Yep. That's what Snyder is missing. Well, he's doing something as you know, he's stopping a bank robbery. He's also helping this little girl with the cat. Yes. Yeah. It's the duality. He, he he does it all. This is a great movie. And I will say this: as a child, when this came on television, it was an event. Yes, just like we stop what we were doing. Like, guys, Superman's on TV. It was up there with Wizard of Oz, and uh, yeah, this is it. It's basically Wizard of Oz and Superman. That's what you stopped what you're doing to watch. Yep, I probably it was saw on. this as a kid. I mean, it was on a lot, and yeah. I think that's sort of the, what sucks about how the passage of time is that. It's not that type of movie like it was for us for kids now. And I think it's harder for kids now to watch because it doesn't look... The the visual standard in the action and the flying and that sort of stuff does not hold up to what you're going to see in some of these big-time action or superhero movies. But Mm. you have to put it within the context of the time. And the things that they did were just insane. And Gene Hackman's great, like you said. I love Gene Hackman. I love Otis. I mean, I, there's not a thing about this movie I don't love. This is a classic movie. It's It, it deserves a place in cinema history. I agree. This, oh, I think I it totally to has it. one, too. So I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Zack Snyder, but this is still the definitive Superman movie. Yep. Well, I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. Like, Even if you like Man of Steel like I do, and you like BBS like I do, and you, you can find things to appreciate about them... You don't like if you hate this movie because you love Zack Snyder's version. That's absurd. No, if you if you hate this movie for any reason, you're not human. It's absurd. But that's why I have my. <laughs> you're I, probably a clone. You know, like it's not a mistake that there's replicant, two, replicant, uh, vastly different interpretations of my favorite character on my yeah. list because I have things I appreciate a lot about each of them. Sure. Yeah. Well, now we're to number one, which I think is pretty easy for all of us. So on the count of three, one, two, three. Catwoman. Dark Knight. (laughs) Oh, wait. Were we supposed to say Dark Knight? (laughs) Spawn. No? Yeah. The Road to Perdition. That is a good movie, though. Like, you say that in jest, but that one's actually good. There's way shorter movies we can do. Scott the World. And that was good, too. the World is still a good movie. No, it's our our number one is the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. For obvious reasons, we can belabor the point, but Star Wars. See, on a technicality, we will allow Star Wars. The comic was released a year before the movie. Yes, the Dark Knight. The Dark Knight. 
Christopher Nolan, fuck you, you glorious bastard. I like the prequel better, though, The Light Knight. Nobody? All right. No. Moving <laughs> on. I, I like the straight to streaming The Medium Dark Knight. Medium Roast? Medium Roast yeah. Knight? Come on. Can, I like hey, the look, one where Batman is played by a dog, The Bark Knight. So, yeah. That was good. That hey, was good. Well, hey, let's just get real here for a second. What about the bird let's one? All... The Lark Knight? Mm-hmm. I thought that was Birdman. I like that movie, too. Let's all take a moment here. Hold on. Get real real talk, real talk, fellas. Let's take a moment. <sighs> Stiff up real up. Let's pour one out for Heath Ledger. All right? Yeah, man. Because he, he's the reason for the season. He's why we're all here tonight talking about the best comic movie of all time. It's because he gave us probably the best comic portrayal of a villain that we've seen so far that went so far beyond our expectations that it spawned a bazillion memes and a bazillion whatevers. And yet we're never going to see where that whole arc or story was going to go. It was a ancillary podcast more than one point. We'll never see it again. I want to live in the universe where Heath Ledger lived and they Built the DCEU off of the Dark Knight. Be cool. I mean, it would be cool. It'd just be cool for him to be alive. Uh, I think that too. Cheers to Heath Ledger. I mean, this is a, a sequel uh, that does what good sequels are meant to do, which is it ups the stakes, it ups the ante, it fleshes out the world, and it is bigger, better, bolder than Batman Begins, which I also love. Uh, and it is a mob film with comic book characters in it. It's extremely well done. Anchored mm-hmm. by Ledger, of course. But I think, I mean, everybody in this movie is good. I think Bale has always been the weakest part about the Batman movies. And that's not to say he's bad. But he is definitely the weakest part of his own uh, It's kind of a bummer when your main character is the least interesting character in your show. <laughs> so, I agree with you, Daredevil. I won't go that far, uh, Captain Cash, but to your point, Mr. Wizard, who has the best performance in this movie? It is not. Tiny Zeus Lister. What? He's the prisoner that, can, that convinces I'm do the guy to do it. 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. no, the best performance in this movie is not Christian Bale. It is. It's running away. We're all making the same joke. I'm just, I'm just trying to drive that nail home. But that's the thing. It's like uh, Harvey Two Face, yeah. Aaron Eckhart, also a much better performance. Alfred, better performance. Yeah. Uh, Gary Oldman, who's generally fantastic, is indeed fantastic. His as always, as expected. Yeah. Stands out. Uh, yeah. Bale we might have fine. different scenes that are the best scene, though, because I think that's where we will differ. Um, yeah, I think for oh, this, me, this, this whole movie's a masterclass, man. Yeah, like it is. For me, my favorite scene is the scene where they they just show you what the Joker shot with the imitation Batman. Uh huh. Yeah. Because that was the point for me where I'm like, "Holy shit, this guy is legitimately scary." <laughs> oh, when they hang the guy out in front. Uh, no, no he, the video the that like hand Joker can. shoots with the hand, oh, like, the like, hand oh, like, like, like in the cooler. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, are you Batman, Brian? He's like, 
Yeah. And and Bat Batman was involved in those scenes. He what? is Batman. Well. Batman. Well, yeah, Batman. I'm sorry, Batman. Well, I'm trying to. I think. Uh, I, obviously, this the scene without the Joker. The tick. Because I'll do two. Because the Joker owns this movie. Is mm. when uh, the Russian is doing the drug deal with the Scarecrow, which I loved because they brought Cillian Murphy back. Yeah. Which was awesome. Yeah. And he come. The tumbler comes bursting through the wall, and he's not in it. And it goes into the mode, wherever. And that's when he sees the guy like, I'm not wearing hockey pads. That's a great Batman scene. When he drops onto the car, smashes the hood, arrests everyone. That's that's a great scene. But Joker interrupting the meeting of the mob minds and performing the magic trick. Yeah, no, that's, that's my That's my favorite too. scene in the movie. <laughs> when he opens the jacket and he's got the grenade attached to the string. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like it when he busts into the pool hall and tells the guys he's got some, you know, training uh, spots open. We've got tryouts. Yeah. <laughs> tryouts. Yeah. All I yeah, will say is, uh, Michael Jai White would kick the shit out of that guy. <laughs> Michael Jai White's no horse shit. <laughs> he's a tough dude. No. So, my favorite Joker scene in the movie is when he comes to the dinner party, though. Uh, and and he starts assaulting all the people and giving a hard time. Yeah. Gets in Pat, uh, Senator Patrick Leahy's face. He's, yeah, he's like, oh, I got these scars. And what I love about the character is that he gives differing stories. Three yeah, the multiple choice past. Yes, I love that because that's exactly what you want. Like the kid, I don't, I don't want him to make sense. I want him to make zero sense. Yeah, I want everybody to think they know or understand him, only to then understand that he's telling somebody, everybody something different. Yeah, he's nobody knows smoke what's going all inside, on inside his head, and that's illustrated when he does what the mob asks. He gets half their money. They show up. He lights it on fire in front of them. He just got their money to blow it up because yeah. that's what he wanted to do. So I, Some men just want to watch the world burn. That's it, baby. I mean, I, I just rewatched this very recently, and I'm like, holy shit, like, every scene in this movie it's is, insane. is great. It's every a master scene. class on, like, storytelling and superhero storytelling. Yep. I wish they would have just ended it, to be honest, for me, because then I think Rises, there's things I like about it, but it really falls apart in a lot of ways. Here's where I'm going to cry a little. I think there was a franchise here with Heath Ledger. I feel like they could have like Jokerified a next movie and it could have turned into something entertaining. Like I feel like that character had legs, had somewhere to go. I think he did. He had a natural arc. Uh, you get that moment at the end. And he is in uh, Nightfall, which is part of the Dark Knight Rises. Bring it back. Bring it back. I feel like that Burton's Joker also had legs. Mm. I, I feel like I feel like I feel like there was. I feel like that was an ego issue that stopped that. No, I, I feel like you know because like he there, took residuals. But I feel like he, so he was done. My point is, had you not had Jack Nicholson as the Joker, you would have had a Joker 
continue. But he was like, I got paid. I'm out of here. So I'm saying. I think the problem with a lot of these things, obviously, I think the intention, I don't know enough about it, was to bring Ledger back. It's pretty clear that was the intention. Oh, yeah. You and I are destined to do this forever. Yeah, exactly, because. Because that's what Batman and the Joker do. It's forever, right? But for yeah. for most so, movies, so my point, my point, my point is that you've never gotten that chance, because because uh, uh, Nicholson backed out for whatever reasons doesn't matter. So when he had Ledger, the point was they would have loved to do another Joker thing. They would have yeah. loved it. Like Ledger could have had that next step. It just listen. They they made the conscientious decision to kill. Nicholson I think that was at a time where like oh if we do a sequel it has to be with new characters which is like every comic book movie has that Marvel kills every villain and toys half, you know, I guess like, toys and it's like oh yeah. I would really like that guy to not have died but now he's dead like that's the one thing mm. DC did right was they didn't kill all their villains because it does except, suck like a lot of wait, the villains they killed Except Zod. Zod. That was the point of Zod's death. Doomsday. So then he's alone. Doomsday is not they a singular. They killed Superman. He is a villain. Doomsday is not a singular creature. So they killed Superman. He's a villain. That's not even the real Doomsday. They killed Superman. He's a villain. He also came back shithead. So no recommendations. We did our top five. Well, I got four movies because these two ass clowns ruined my one. I mean, technically, you got two because we eliminated or you got three because we eliminated two of yours but that's all right what was it oh joker, joker. It counts, it counts. <laughs> listen you guys want to play it safe we guess. still love you to paraphrase the great lex luthor in batman versus superman do you know the oldest lie in america gentlemen it's that internet discourse has to be toxic be good to each other out there on the interwebs and remember if someone disagrees with your opinion about a film Tell them to go to hell. That was a joke. The real answer is that it's okay. Life goes on. We'll see you next time. And on next time, we'll be covering a recommendation, PCU, the 1994 college comedy starring Jon Favreau, David Spade, and Jeremy Piven. We're out. We're not going to protest. We're not going to protest. Gutter is a tool. (laughs) 